Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome on into Sports Talk with Broads. We are broadcasting live from the Manscaped Man Cave. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code... B-R-O-D at Manscaped.com. Normally, the report cards is a fun podcast to do. This year, it's going to be miserable for the most part. And today, we are going to focus on the offensive side of the football. There was a point where I was more optimistic about what this team could possibly be. But then I realized, this is who they are. This is their identity in 2020. Now, December Doug has been a factor throughout the last couple of seasons. So he always puts his team in this position. And then when you count the squad out, he pulls them out of it and the team goes on some sort of journey. So you can wait for that if you would like. And statistics will tell you that it's probably coming. At some point, December Doug and the back half Doug will be in effect I am just so down on this team, and my expectations have changed so much to the point where I don't care if it's ugly, I don't care what it looks like, just find a way to win and get the division lead and win the division. We had a poll-up on 97.3 ESPN yesterday for the Sports Bash, and it asked the question, would you rather win the division and get that playoff game, not knowing what is going to come, not knowing what the outcome will be, or would you rather draft way higher and get a way higher draft pick? The poll finished around 77% of people wanting to make the postseason and the rest going for that draft pick. Not surprising, I'll be honest with you, I thought that there would be more people voting for that draft pick because when you speak to a lot of fans, they say, oh, who cares? They're going to lose anyway. If they're not going to win the Super Bowl, why would you even want to make the playoffs? That's the philosophy from some individuals, and I think that is so flawed. There's still value in playing postseason football, regardless on if you have an actual shot or not, which I would imagine this team not having a shot if I'm going to put on my NFL glasses here and compare them to the rest of the league they don't have a damn shot whatsoever but you have a team with a 28 year old quarterback who hasn't played a postseason game we're we're all excited about Travis Fulgham Greg Ward Dallas Goddard Miles Sanders now they're going to have to be available and not injured for that playoff game if they do win the division for it to matter but look there is definitely value in winning the division, even though it's going to be sloppy and miserable. But I I just point that out because I point out 
this team being frustrating because, you know, I, I think about this bye week and I think about where this team is right now. And I know there was one point where I was way more optimistic that getting players back from injury would result in better play. I just don't know if that's the case. And it all goes back to two people. Because when you have your head coach and your quarterback performing this bad, it doesn't matter what tight end is coming back. It doesn't matter what pieces are coming back. They have to, they have to be 5,000 times better than what they are putting out on the field on game day. It's just that simple. If those two individuals perform better, guess what? You're in a totally different situation. Let's look at what they've done to this point. Washington, Cincinnati, just those two. Just those two games. If you had better performances out of those two individuals, you're 5-3. and three. Not only are you 5-3, and three, you have a chance out of the bye week to beat the New York Giants, and then you would be 6-3. and three. Imagine that. Imagine the conversation and the talk surrounding this football team if you were 6 and 3 instead of let's give the let's just give the Eagles the win after the bye even though I don't even know if that's fair to do considering I have a gut feeling the Giants might be able to pull that victory off. But let's say they do get it because in the hypothetical I just said they win after the bye, they would be 6 and 3 if they beat Washington and Cincinnati, they'd be 4 4 and 1 with one of the hardest stretches in football coming up after that game. It's so frustrating, no doubt. But I think it's time to dive into my grades. And I'm not going to lie to you, there's a bit of a scale. For example, some players are held to a higher standard than others. So if there's a guy who came in where you didn't really expect much and he did a decent job compared to a guy that you expected to do really well and he did a decent job, you might have a different grade for those two players. So there is a broad scale in play. And I would love to hear your thoughts and comments on my grades down below in the comment section if you're listening to this on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting platform, you can use the review system as an opportunity to comment. Before we dive in, though, I need to let you know about my friends at Manscaped. Autumn is in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. And by pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. You know how many times I've been in the shower, zap! Oh, oh, not using a Manscaped product too many times. You start bleeding. It's like, damn it, come on. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. They have a new Weed Whacker, which is an ear and nose hair trimmer, which uses the same skin safe technology when trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. Everybody knows the spiced lattes and ball deodorant goes hand in hand. Don't forget about their body wash, their crop mop ball wipes. They have everything. And if you go to manscaped.com, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code BROD. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, 
So your manhood is in good hands. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with the code BROD at manscaped.com. Let's start off with the Fs. I feel Fs is the way to start because I didn't want to start with the good grades and then work your way into the negativity, right? So I want to stick with the the bad grades first, get out all the frustration, and then leave on a happy note. I don't want to leave on a bad note, on a pissed off note. That's not the way to operate. So we'll start with the Fs. Alshon Jeffrey is a big F. And I know injuries are going to play a, a, a lot, and it's going to play a role with some of these individuals. And to an extent, injuries are not the player's fault. But this Alshon Jeffrey thing is a mess. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Laurie, Doug Peterson, Alshon Jeffrey. There is clearly, clearly a huge issue between all of these people. And, and when I realized it was that bad was when we knew he was coming back from the injury and we knew he was coming back from the surgery, the Liz Frank problem, which is a serious injury. After everything was all said and done and it was about that time for him to come back, an illness popped up on the injury report. And there's no way that an illness should stop anyone after coming back from that type of injury. You have the sniffles, dude. And it wasn't COVID-19 related. If it was COVID, I wouldn't be saying it to this level. It wasn't COVID. Because he would have had to be on the COVID list. Like, there are protocols for that scenario. It just said illness, sniffles, cough, you name it. Dude, no, no, no. You don't go from coming back from a Liz Frank, being ready to play that week, and an illness is going to stop you. I'm sorry. These guys in the NFL play through anything, everything. Look at Lane Johnson. An illness is not going to hold you back. So something was fishy from that point. And and what I'm starting to realize is, you know, okay, they didn't put him on the pup list because they thought maybe he would come back six-week mark. I feel they tried to trade him before the six-week mark, didn't get it done, and they're like, uh-oh, we are absolutely screwed. That's what I'm starting to think. Now my brain's starting to go all over the place, and I'm starting to think of, okay, why did they do this? What could they have tried to do that failed miserably on them? Maybe they tried to get rid of them with that contract throughout the first six weeks, realized it wasn't going to happen. They went, oh, shit, now we're screwed. Now the illness came in, and the calf came in. This is just outrageous. It really is. It's an embarrassing roster problem that they just had with this Alshon Jeffrey mess and they've done this before in the past when it came to the pup list but I didn't think that they were trying to trade some of those other people in the past Darren Sproles is one that comes to mind when it came to an injury that they thought he might be able to come back from and he wasn't able to but they weren't having issues internally with Darren Sproles the Alshon thing it is such a mess and I don't think we're ever going to forget the Alshon Jeffrey drama that occurred towards the end of his career here in Philly but that contract is a major 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 issue. JJ Ortega Whiteside. F. Stinks. Stinks. Now is it his fault I'm putting him in this category? Yes and no. He has opportunities to show the coaching staff, hey, come on, right? He's had opportunities, limited snaps because he stinks, but when you have limited snaps, you have to make the most of your chances. 
I said the, the grading scale will change based off of expectations. He was a second-round draft pick. If he was a free agent, an unrestricted free agent, and you went out and signed him undrafted, I should say, an undrafted player, I probably wouldn't put him in an F category. Guess what? You were drafted in the second round. Now, it's not really his fault, but I'm a little harsh. I'm not feeling so great today. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, easily for me, a big fat F. I I think I should criticize others for putting him in that situation to fail, but at the end of the day, he was a second-round draft pick. I expected way more out of him, and he flat-out sucks to the point where he should have got his ass moved at the trade deadline. I said, you know what, I'm okay with staying put, and I am. I'm okay with what they did from an organizational standpoint, staying put at the trade deadline. But if they moved on from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I thought that that could have been something that they did. Here's the other side. Who the hell looks at J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and goes, I want that player? You know what's funny? We talked about how he would become the younger Alshon Jeffrey based off of his skill set, based off of what he can provide for you. Bigger receiver, supposed to be a possession receiver, can go up and get the football. Remember how convinced we were that he would be this red zone threat? Now our head coach is claiming he's running out of red zone plays, which is just comical, may I add. But we had Brian Baldinger on 97.3 yesterday on the Sports Bash, and he said that Travis Fogum reminds him of a younger, more athletic Alshon Jeffrey. So the guy that we expected to be him through the draft is a flat-out joke of an NFL player, yet the guy you pick up off the street is what you wanted him to be, what you wanted J-Jaw to be, and not even what you wanted J-Jaw to be more than that. Because this kid is a legitimate stud, and trust me, we will get to him. So, J-Jaw, F. And once again, this is just the offensive side of the ball. We will do a podcast breaking down the defensive report cards very soon. So, Deshaun Jackson, for me, is going to get an F. And and that might be a little brutal. And once again, this could be out of his control kind of thing. But here you go. You get a guy and you're excited about him when you got him in returning to Philadelphia, when you got him back in this city, in this uniform, and the injuries. The injuries, the injuries, the injuries. So it's not so much a, you know, oh, Deshaun, I hate you kind of thing because I definitely don't feel that way towards him. It's not the same type of F that an Alshon Jeffrey and a J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is. But with Deshaun Jackson, it's unfortunate. It's based off of age. It's based off of us spending a lot of money for him. It's based off the circumstances surrounding getting Deshaun Jackson back in here. But the guy's unavailable. The guy is not available on the sideline. Every time you go into a game with Deshaun Jackson, what do you end up saying? Oh, where is he? Oh, where is he? And then you hear the reports on the sideline reporters. Oh, well, Deshaun Jackson is getting his hamstring worked out. Very questionable to return. All right, thank you for the update. Right, it's like every time we watch a game, that's what you get out of Deshaun Jackson. So it's very frustrating. So for that, I'm going to have to give him an F for not being available. Another F. Yeah, it sucks. There's so many Fs, right? So many Fs. That's what happens when you're underachieving to this degree and you're 3-4-1. and one. Zach Ertz. Once again, injury played a role. But it's not so much the injury side of things and the production standpoint. It's everything surrounding his body language, his message, and how clear it is that he is so damn unhappy. 
I know it's tough. Like, I get it. I bet you when it comes to the human standpoint of things, him, Howie Roseman, Lori, there is clearly frustration involved and disappointment. Not even like, hey, I'm mad at you. It's the classic conversation you have with your parents. When they say they're mad at you, it's not as bad as when they say they're disappointed in you. Well, I think Zach Ertz is disappointed in the front office based off of previous conversations about, hey, you will be in this uniform, you will be a Philadelphia Eagle, don't worry about it, and now circumstances seem to change, and it might be, yo, you're out of here, and realistically, that would have happened if the trade deadline, if, if Zach Ertz wasn't on the IR with a minor injury. So Zach Ertz is upset with the front office, and there's a feud going on. I'm more disappointed in how he looks, the optics of Zach Ertz. Not so much the product on the field, Zach Ertz, because, well, he has been unavailable. The vibe surrounding him. When he doesn't get the ball, he's bitching, he's complaining, his body language. Come on, dude, you and Carson Wentz are boys. You and Wentz are supposed to be each other's security blankets here. But when you were out there, you weren't into it. You weren't into it. We could all see it. We have eyes. The eye test. You were not engaged. You were not the Zach Ertz that we are accustomed to seeing for years in this city. When you give us everything you have for so damn long, which we admire, that's one of the reasons why we love you, Zach Ertz, and then you give us what you gave us this year when you were on the field, monster difference. Your heart wasn't into it. So for that reason, I'm giving you an F. Let's go to the D. All right, so now we're in the D. The Fs are over. D. Let's start with Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson was very close to being in the F category for me. This is the worst year I have seen out of him. Now, I told you that December Doug's a thing. Late season Doug is a thing. It's annoying that it's a thing because the reason why you're in that position to begin with is partly because of the head coach, but he does do it, which is better than continuing to fall and continuing to plummet in the wrong direction. Doug Peterson is failing miserably outside of the script, so once the script is over, it's bad. The red zone plays just forgetting, not forgetting, but running out of plays. I don't even know how a head coach can say that. I'm not too bothered by the the press conferences afterwards. You can tell that he's mad and annoyed and irritated with certain things. I feel he's focused too much on the outside noise because every time he comes up, he makes a comment or a statement about, well, you're going to write this anyway, or you're going to bash this team anyway. Who cares, Doug? Who cares what the media is going to write? That's part of their job. You've been here for too long now. Yeah, you know what? We are going to rip you into pieces. We will shred you two million times. Do a better job, and that won't happen. Be better. That's simple. If you do a better job, you won't have to worry about it. So, I'm not putting the D too much in the media press conference category out of Doug, but that is an added bonus. It's more about the sloppy play. Because offensively, this team just looks sloppy. They have no clue what they're doing at times outside of the script. So you can script the plays, but you can't succeed outside of the script. That's bad. He's made some very poor decisions, some really bad play calls. This has been the worst I've seen out of Doug Peterson. Very close to an F, but I'll give him a D. Along with the quarterback. Carson Wentz gets a D for me. 
And I'm sure people are questioning, why is he not an F? Well, he did have the big-time throws. Two drives. Two drives against the New York Giants. And you can say whatever you want about the Giants. They're 1-7. But that team competes. That team is involved. They don't give up. They fight hard for the coach. They just lost by, what, two points to the Tampa Bay Bucks with a two-point conversion that could have been called a pass interference. The team battles. Now, I'm not saying they're good by any means, but that team was up 21-10. to The Giants were six minutes to go. Carson Wentz put together two drives, a hell of a dot to Boston Scott. There were some good plays about it. Even that Cincinnati game, they couldn't finish the job off, but he had a big-time drive in that game. The Baltimore game, this, the Steelers game, they're better teams. So, yeah, they're probably going to win. There were poor moments for Carson Wentz, but there were also stunning moments as well. And it's not like a D is a good grade. A D is a very poor grade. I just don't give him an absolute F, 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 F. I give him a D because they're not 1-7. and seven. They're 3-4-1. and one. There were moments throughout there. Tiny moments, little spurts of moments. Big picture, it's been miserable. But there were some moments in there that moved me from an F to a D for Carson Wentz. But look, if you get D play out of your quarterback, you're not going to be very successful whatsoever. You're going to be in a bad spot. And a D rating is something that you can't keep up with. You can't keep a D quarterback long term. I don't think Carson Wentz is a D quarterback as a whole. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This year, though, halfway point, yes. Yes, he has been. If he snaps out of that funk, you're in a different position. But the interceptions, the poor decision-making, the mechanics, it's all one big factor on why he is playing the way that he's playing. Playing hero ball. Too much. Way too much. Dude, you got to realize it, right? I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. It's not rocket science when you look at film. When you study what's going on, huh, what's going on? Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And then you don't go out there and do it again. But that's not how he operates, clearly. Matt Pryor is a D to me. Last year, he was in a playoff game as your right guard, and you were intrigued by him. What was it? Jason Peters, Isaac Sayamalu, Jason Kelsey, Matt Pryor, Lane Johnson? That was in a playoff game. In a playoff game where the Eagles were battling all game long. Well, they lose 17-9 to to Seattle with Josh McCown running on one hamstring. Matt Pryor was very solid. And now, he's one of your weakest links. Now, I didn't throw in Brown and Suo Peta and players that barely played in the grading system. You got to play, you know, a decent amount of time for me to really utilize. Yeah, obviously, someone like Brown is going to be an F and Opeta is going to be an F. They played their one games and it was like, oh, you guys are just miserable. Bang, get out of here. But with Pryor, you know, you expected more out of Pryor. You expected Pryor to be something, to be able to help you out more than what he's been giving you. I'm going to have to go with D for him. And Jalen Hurts is a D as well. No fault to his own, all Doug Peterson. But what Jalen Hurts has given you in this role that he is, it hasn't been good. 
We're screaming for more creativity with them. They're doing a lot of read option stuff. You finally saw another throw. He's had two to this point. He hasn't been good enough for me, but why hasn't he been good enough? Well, the head coach hasn't put him in a good enough position. But if I'm basing it off of the production on the plays called for Jalen Hurts, I'm, I'm underwhelmed. I'm underwhelmed. And realistically, it might be unfair for me to put him in this category because it's not his fault, and I'm acknowledging that. But I'm going D for him. I'm going D for him. All right, before we move to the mediocres, the average, the average players to this point, I need to let you know about my friends at DraftKings. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sports book based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is safe, secure, and reliable. Deposit and withdraw at your convenience. All new users have a chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Download the app and sign up using promo code BRODES. You can check out all that they have to offer, including player props, live betting, and so much more. If sportsbooks are not yet available in your state, don't forget DraftKings Fantasy app, offering millions of dollars in total prizes every single week. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, the C category. There's a decent amount in the C, and I think that should pretty much show you and tell you that this team is average. In a 3-4-1 record, that's hanging around average. So if you get a lot of average play, you're going to get a lot of average uh, results, if you will. So, C, I will start off with Miles Sanders. And now, when Miles Sanders has been available, he's had some explosive plays. He's had some awesome runs, 70-yard touchdown runs, and he's breaking through everyone, getting that home run hit. And you've seen it at a higher clip this season, which is definitely intriguing. I don't think he's been utilized in the run, in excuse me, in the pass game as much as I would like him to get used. Once again, that all falls back on Doug Peterson. But the biggest knock for me is... Early on, you heard a lot of conversations about him not being in shape and, you know, you got to think about his conditioning level. And when you don't have the training camp that you are used to, definitely is something to add to the equation, without a doubt. I'm not pretending as if that doesn't matter. It matters. But we value Miles Sanders as this three-down back, as this guy you can get the football at any point of the game, be your guy, be explosive, late-game situations, you know, milk the clock fumbling issues is something that definitely concerns this coaching staff because there's times where he's not getting the ball in those moments. The fatigue factor is real. I need more out of Sanders. I expect him to be more, to be better and to provide more. On top of that, lingering injuries, unavailable, hamstring. Something's always occurring with Miles Sanders. He's not there enough for my liking to the point where you're utilizing Boston Scott. And Boston's stepping up, no doubt about it. But with Miles Sanders, I need more out of him. So when he's out there, I think he's showing me explosive stuff. I want more in the passing game. But from a run game standpoint, he's giving you those home run hitters. And he's doing it more this season. 70 yards, here he is. I actually have to credit J.J. Ortega-Whiteside for one of those 70-yarders because he's the one who's blocking downfield tremendously. All he can do is block. Draft a second-round wide receiver who can block. Kudos to the Eagles for finding that guy. Jeez, what a nightmare. I give Miles Sanders a C based off of availability and fatigue, conditioning. It hasn't been the whole package yet. 
But when you've seen his good stuff, it's like, wow, hold on a second. Miles Sanders could be an absolute stud if he could put it all together. Jason Peters, C. I give Jason Peters a C because I know fans are frustrated with him and they're annoyed with him. Why is he back here? I've never seen a Hall of Fame player with the one franchise fall off to the level that he has fallen off to when it comes to emotional ties. This guy's going to be a legitimate Hall of Famer. He's had so many damn fantastic years in this city, and towards the end, we want him gone. We can't stand him. He's had some ugly moments early in the season. At his age, though, it it looks worse, like, statistic-wise, it looks worse to the eye than it actually does on paper. I was reading stats and hearing stats about how Maialata and Jason Peters actually had similar stats at left tackle. So while we were all screaming, you got to keep Maialata at left tackle, which is the right thing to scream about, by the way, because one guy is your left tackle of the future and the other is clearly headed in the wrong direction. And you could probably utilize him at right guard and make the line stronger as one. So I think it's still very fair to say that Maialata deserves to be there. If you're getting the same play between both, why not go with the younger kid who's going to be here longer term? But when you look at it and you look at the numbers, it's it's pretty similar. So it's funny how we view Maialata to Jason Peters when it comes to production and when it comes to the eye test. I would agree the eye test, though, does seem to be different to an extent. But I'll give Jason Peters a C. I know the injury happened and... and the frustration is there based off of what he once was and where he is now, but he hasn't been an absolute dumpster fire. He hasn't been great either. Injuries played a role. When he was out there, he's been average. He's had good moments. He's had some bad moments. Right there in the middle of, you know, Jason Peters has just been average when he was out there. Boston Scott. And the reason why I put him in a C category is this. Last couple games, yeah, hold on a second, you know, like, hold on. Since Miles Sanders has been out, Boston Scott has stepped up, and I love that. And that's where I give him the positives out of Boston Scott, which you can argue is more important than what I'm about to say here because more touches, more of the guy. When you are in this position, you need to be better because you are that number one back when it comes to the rotation. So it's more important to be better in that scenario than the one I'm about to mention now. The second guy behind Miles Sanders. When he was the second guy behind Miles, he really did nothing. He was not a part of the offense enough. Once again, dates back to Doug Peterson. There were some moments here and there, but due to his limited carries, he did not have that change of pace back type stuff, and that's what you needed him to be. Now, if you're going to say, hold on a second, maybe he's a running back that needs to get a lot of carries and needs to get a lot of touches so he can feel the game, so he can get a vibe of what's going on, so he can figure out the lineman and hit his gaps the right way. Just get an all-around feel. That's a common thing for a running backs. Well, guess what? Then he won't work here because that's what Miles Sanders is going to be. If you have another back that needs a lot of carries because it gets him a long time to get going and to feel out the game, well, then you don't have the right secondary piece because Miles Sanders is ultimately going to be your guy who gets way more carries than everybody else. So during the stretch of Miles Sanders being available, I was not happy with Boston Scott whatsoever. I needed more out of the running backs as a whole, him, Corey Clement. I needed way more out of all of them. So I'm going to hit him harsh on that 
and then praise him for what he's been doing lately to combine the two and give him a C. Hightower, this one's tough for me because when I think he misses, he misses big and it's ugly because all he can do is home run hit. All he can do is get past the defenders, get by them, blow by them, and it's either you score a touchdown because you make the play or get a huge play, a huge chunk play, or you don't and you miss the pass and it looks ugly. So his is very horrendous to the eye when he misses. So John Hightower, to me, I give him a C because expectations for a draft pick of his stat- status and knowing that he wouldn't have been drafted so late if he was able to put it all together right from the jump. The reason why he was drafted where he was, he had an upside, one hell of an upside, but he wasn't great at tracking the football. He didn't have the best hands in the world, and it's showing. So expectations-wise, I need to limit where I expected him to be, and the fact that he does have big-ass plays where I'm thinking, let's go, John Hightower, let's put it together, let's do that consistently. Awesome. Combined with a ton of plays where he runs his routes wrong, poor route running at times, flat out misses the football. So there's extreme big plays for the team and extreme big misses. I think one day he will put it all together. Takes time to do that with a kid like John Hightower. I think he will eventually get there, just not there yet. Greg Ward, just a reliable slot guy. I'm going to give him average. You could maybe throw him in that B category based off of coming up from the practice squad and you know his old story, but you know he's just your standard average good reliable slot receiver. It's it's hard to pop big as a slot receiver for the most part. There's outliers, but slot receiver reliable can get you a catch. Just give him a good old average solid slot receiver. Jack Driscoll, look, this kid's a rookie. You didn't really expect him to come up and do much this season. Well, when you had so many damn injuries, you have to. You have to plug him in. And from what I saw, I am very interested to see what he grows into. Battling injuries, but a young kid. And I think he has a very unique skill set that can be beneficial to this offensive line for for years to come, and Herbig. I think Herbig has had some rough moments, but I think he's had some very solid, strong moments as well. And another guy where it's like, dude, look at this kid. I mean, you didn't have too much expectations for Nate Herbig, and he can give you something. I'm not saying Hall of Fame linemen coming out of these two, but I'm intrigued for what they can maybe develop into if something happens. I'd say they're never in the game plan for starting roles. Okay, well, if you start falling apart, are they pieces that you can plug in that can hold you over for a couple weeks. And who knows, maybe one one day, one guy does step up and slide into the rotation full-time in in Driscoll or something moving forward. Who knows, these linemen for the Eagles are clearly getting older, so you need to think of it that way. The Bs. I think Maialata has been a B. And I mean, it's funny, I mentioned how JP and him have been the same, right? But the difference is, Maialata, seventh-round draft pick, never played football in his life, and now you can argue that he's fighting with Andre Dillard for an actual spot. No Andre Dillard in the grading scale because, well, he hasn't been able to play for you this year. Maialata, I got to give him that B because I would have never expected in a million years that he'd be playing as well as he did to start off this journey for him. Guy's never played football in his life, and there's things to learn, no doubt. Hand usage, and there's clearly a lot that he can grow with, but the only way you grow in this league is to continue to get a lot of reps, play at left tackle, and that's where the frustrating thing was with JP going back to left. I don't know why they're doing this. JP has the organization by the ball sack, apparently, and that's where it gets annoying, but 
I give Mylotta a B, a B. I think he's been very strong at the left tackle when he's been there. You know, hiccups. Hiccups have been involved. Absolutely. Hiccups have been involved. You saw early when he was playing right tackle, he got beat pretty good by Lawrence, if I remember correctly. And it was an ugly one, but you're switching sides. There's a lot to it. I know people think it might not be that hard, but it is extremely difficult to switch sides. It changes everything. It changes what comes first, what you do first, and you got to flip the brain around. So there's definitely a lot to factor in there. I'm excited to see what Mylotta could do, and I'm not going to lie to you. I think there's a chance that he can be your left tackle of the future, and then Andre Dillard is a very interesting storyline for next season. I give Lane Johnson a B for the toughness of fighting through everything, knowing that he needs to get back out there for their quarterback, and I admired that, and I thought that was awesome. At the same time, I thought there were times where he needed to just take a step back because the long-term goal was to get his ankle ready, and I thought he continued to play through it, and that hurt, and that ended up having another injury, so it was snowballing because he wanted to get back so much, but when he's available, he's the best right tackle in football, and the injuries are a problem for him, but he's a warrior, he's a dog, he's your right tackle, he's always there, team first mentality, needs to protect the quarterback, he sees how bad it is, he needs to get back out there to make sure it gets saved to the best of his ability. When Lane Johnson's out there, straight up force and believe it or not, when it comes to Rodgers, I'm going B for Richard Rodgers because there was a moment in time where Zach Ertz wasn't there, Dallas Goddard wasn't there, my man's giving you 80-plus yards at the tight end position, and it's been a weird ride for him throughout the NFL. He did have success with Green Bay. Things got sloppy after that. When you lose Goddard and Ertz, you think, what do we do at the tight end position? Here's Rodgers who steps in and does a pretty damn decent job when he is the guy that has to be the focus, when he is out there. I'm, I'm shocked at times with Richard Rodgers. So based off expectations with him and what's happening at the tight end, boom, here comes an 80-yard game. What? What? Richard Rodgers, I think he's been a pretty important addition to this team based off of the injuries that were happening at that position throughout the season. Ace, Fogum, stud, stud. How much do I have to talk about how much of a stud this kid is? He's legit. He's a legitimate wide receiver who can make plays, who can make plays for your quarterback, and who can be a difference maker, a difference maker without a doubt. I'm almost blown away and lost for words to describe what he has become. You're talking... His numbers scream top of the NFL at the position. It's been a handful of games, right? So I'm not going to say this is who he is forever and ever and ever and ever, but it's definitely a huge stock rising up for a kid that's constantly giving you 80 yards a game. 80 yards a game! That's not normal. That's not average. It's way above average. It's phenomenal. Can he keep up 80? I don't know. I can't wait to find out, though. Because he's your number one. And Jason Kelsey gets an A as well. This guy's a warrior. At one point when it came to starters, him and Carson Wentz were the only two available. The dude is just a force at center. That's what he is. He's a force. The guy's a a special human being that finds ways to stay out there and battle through it all. There are two guys I did not mention. I'm having a hard time grading Goddard and a hard time grading Rager. 
I'm going to put Rager in the C category because the thumb injury was a problem, but I think there's a lot to appreciate when it comes to the battling through the injury stuff and how fast he's recovering, the mentality side of things. And that last game put him in the C category too. I saw a lot of things I loved. Pre-snap movement, getting the ball in space and using his speed. I think that he did a good job on second and six, making a defender miss, getting the first down. He had the touchdown pass, and then that last play, he turned around, he went up and get the ball. He didn't get it because the Cowboys defender punched it out. I wonder how much had to do with the thumb, though. If this wasn't his first game coming back with the thumb, would that be a different story? I'm I'm higher on Rager than I think a lot are because I don't think the stat sheet popped enough for people's liking. A lot of people are box score individuals where they grade off the box score, which is not very fair. I thought Rager had a lot of key moments in that game and a lot of nice plays in that game that I can build off of. I'll give I'll give Rager a C because I see a skill set that is really solid, but it needs to come together more, and the injuries have definitely held him back. Thumb injury, he had the injury before the uh, the season actually started, and he found a way to get back, which was surprising as hell. So I'll go C with Rager, and Goddard, I'm, I'm having a really hard time finding a, a spot for him because, hmm. The injuries knocked him out for so damn long. He had one game of 100-plus yards. So if I'm going to put Rager in for that one game that I really enjoyed for special plays, Goddard played 84% of the snaps last game, was used heavy in the blocking role, had one reception. <sighs> to this point... I don't know. I'm struggling. Honestly, I have no idea where to put him. So whether that's fair or not, I just don't know where to put him. I don't know if there's enough time for me to slide him into a spot. So I'm going to leave him out. How about that? How about that? I'm going to leave him out. So there are my offensive grades for the first half. Like I said, we will have a podcast coming soon on the defensive side of the football. Before I let you go... Orbit Energy and Power has over 20 years of experience in the solar industry. They are home to your solar experts in residential and commercial projects. Their solar program helps eliminate your electric bill completely. We are talking about $0 electric bills. They also provide water purification systems, backup energy services, battery storage, tree removals, electrical upgrades, and more. If you need an upgrade to your home, go to Orbit Energy and Power. Their information is all down below in the description. Thank you all so much for tuning in. That was really fun for me to do. I had a, I had a really fun time breaking this down. Can't wait for the D side. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.